Well, thank you, worship ministry. I would invite you to take your copy of the Lord's Word and turn to Genesis, Genesis chapter number 2, verses 5 through 7, Genesis chapter 2, verses 5 through 7, so we're going to depart now on a journey, a three-week journey about the soul. Today, we're going to talk about what is a soul. Next week, the truth about your soul and my soul. How do you know you have one? Can you grow it? Uh, can it be injured? Can it, um, all those things. Uh, you come next week and we'll talk about that. Uh, but today, we want to talk about what is a soul. Genesis chapter 2, verses 5 through 7, is the second creation account that we find in the scripture. The first being Genesis chapter 1. But in Genesis chapter 2, 5 through 7, we read about the creation of man. And I'm going to read to you from the scripture this morning. When no bush of the field was yet in the land, and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land, there was no man to work the ground. And a mist was going up from the land, and was watering the whole face of the ground. Then the Lord God formed the man of the dust of the ground, part one, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, part two. And the man became a living creature. Now, I want you to look on the screen. You probably grew up on the KJV. Notice how the KJV says verse number seven. And the Lord God formed the man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living, here's our word, soul, a living soul. So what is a soul? It's found here on the second page of the Bible. What is a soul? That's our main question this morning. What is a soul and do you and I have one? There are famous verses which talk about the soul. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. This won't be on the screen, but you may want to jot it down in your margin. It says, and he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Another famous verse, which you know, if you know, you can read it along with me or say it along with me. The first three verses of the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my so, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So whatever a soul is, must be important. I mean, we read about it on the second page of the Bible. And I can't think of a chapter more famous in the Bible than Psalm 23. That's just about as prominent as you get in the memory of our minds. There we find soul again. I can't think of a commandment greater than the greatest commandment, which is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And we find it in the greatest commandment. 
So what is the soul? Well, that's what we're going to look at. First of all, let's talk today about different views on the soul. Uh, Number one, we live in a time and place where there is major disagreement on what it means to be human. We live in a time and a place where there is a major disagreement on what it means to be human. By the way, this did not start 10 years ago. There has been a major disagreement for millennia, specifically in American culture, for the last 150 years on what it means to be human. I was reading some information, some articles last night from the 1860s, and they were talking about abortion and the morality of life in the womb and when does life begin. And in the 1860s, there were doctors arguing that Life began at conceptions where others said, no, it begins when the baby starts to move and so on and so forth. Of course, we know now through modern medicine that life begins at the very beginning at conception. We can see that, that if if movement is the standard, there's movement from the very beginning at the point of fertilization. But there has always been this discussion. What does it mean to be human? And it is intrinsically tied with the question of the soul. The first main view in our modern age is this. The first main view today is that human beings are only a body. That we are only a body. That we are a biological machine. That we have arisen through the process of Darwinian evolution through millions of years. We have evolved into high-functioning animals And that our consciousness and the sense that we have, that we have a soul, is only something that has grown within us through the process of evolution and is only a projection. Meaning you don't really have an inner nature because you're just a biological machine. And machines don't have natures. They don't have inner natures. They don't have souls. So there are some that teach this. Some believe that modern neuroscience has now unraveled the soul and that we are basically nothing more than a brain. This view teaches our brain projects our consciousness. That consciousness, the fact that we have an inner person, is essentially just a magic trick. Atheistic philosopher who's still living, Daniel Dennett, says consciousness, the soul, it's just a magic show. But I don't believe in magic. He believes it's just a trick. That we have tricked ourselves into believing that we truly do have an inner nature. Of course, this would have been the view of others throughout history. You can think of Karl Marx, that religion is just the opiate of the masses. Why? Because we've tricked ourselves into believing that there's something more than just physical life. So these people who hold this view are called materialists, naturalists, or physicalists. What do they mean? What are they? They believe that there's nothing more than a body. Now, when you watch TV, when you uh, read online, in Western culture especially, you would think, that the way this view is pushed, 
that this is the majority view of the world. It's actually not. It is by far the minority, even in America, and especially throughout the world. While popular, a popular view in today's modern Western culture, it is the minority view throughout world and history. What do I mean by that? I mean that basically every religion in the world, all major religions, Christianity, Buddhism, Jewish faith, Hinduism, um, Islam, all those religions teach that man and woman has an inner nature, has a soul. And if you were to combine all the religious people in the world, that is a massive number of people. So when you think about the majority view, the majority view is this next view, which we're going to talk about. It's not the first. But if you watch our media, and if you listen to our culture today, you would think this first view that I've just spoken, that we're just a brain, really is the majority view. But it's not. Overwhelmingly, people believe in an inner nature, even if they don't understand it. Ray Charles said it this way, the soul is like electricity. We don't know what it is, but we can see it when it's there. The second view is that human beings are both a body and a soul. So if the first view is that human beings are just a body, just a machine, this second view says there's more than just a body. This view teaches that we are made up of separate parts, both biological and spiritual. This is why you're at church today, most likely, is because whether you thought about it this morning is you have a soul. Friends, if all you are is just a body, it does not matter what you hear and what you apply to your life because you're just a machine. And in order to fix your problems, you don't need to grow your mind or your soul. You just need to take some medicine to alter your body. And I'm not saying it's wrong to take medicine. I'm just saying that if there's no such thing as a soul, by the way, if there's no such thing as a soul, what are psychologists doing? But if there's no such thing as a soul, none of this stuff, religion, psychology, self-help, Christianity, all, none of it matters if we're just a body. But this second view is what the majority of the world holds, that we are more than just a body. We're a body, yes, and our body can affect us, but we're also a soul. This view, again, teaches that we are made up of separate parts, both biological and spiritual. We're going to look at it closer here in a minute. But you saw it in Genesis chapter 2, in verse number 7. God made man out of, what did he, first thing? The dust of the ground. And then breathed into man life. It wasn't just oxygen. The view here is that God breathed into man his spirit and something of who God is as a spirit became a part of what humanity is. So 
humanity became an embodied spirit made up of parts. So this second view is that human beings are both body and soul. So if there is no God, the universe is just random chance, the question would be, where could anyone get a soul or a spirit if everything is just machine parts, biology? But if creation started with a spirit, if creation started with specifically a soul, an eternal soul, God himself, then there's no problem where we can come up for the existence of the soul. The soul is imparted to us by our creator. And it gives evidence that we have one. And this is why we have consciousness. We have conscious life. This is why we have a soul. Our soul can be injured. Our soul can grow. We're going to talk about that next week. Now, in the early church, there was another view. And the other view was this. There was a prominent view in the early church believed that human beings were a soul trapped inside of a body. This was known as Gnosticism. And Gnosticism led to much confusion within the early church. While it agreed with traditional Christianity and Judaism that human beings were both spiritual and physical... It said in this dualism, only the spiritual is good and the physical is bad. So early Gnostics said it this way. It doesn't matter what you do with your body because the body doesn't matter. It's truly only your soul. But the Christian message is different than that. God made man not a soul, but both body and soul, breathing his spirit into man. So both things are important, the physical and the spiritual. I've done a lot of funerals through the years. I've been to a lot of funerals through the years. And when we are at a funeral and we are standing in front of the casket of a friend or loved one, we will sometimes you'll hear people say, this is just an empty shell. And it's true. The soul has departed. The life which animated that body, and we'll talk about that just in a minute, is no longer there. But the Christian message is this, is that one day a resurrection is going to take place and body and soul are going to be reunited again. Because we were not made to be disembodied, we are made to be embodied. So both things matter. It's just the part of you and me right now that is eternal is our soul. The body we have will die, but ultimately it's going to be changed and we'll have a body in the new creation. <coughs> but Gnosticism taught that the body doesn't matter. All you have to worry about is your soul, which led to a lot of problems in the early church because here's what it led to. Well, I can do whatever I want with my body because the only important part of me is my soul. And what I do with my body doesn't affect my soul. And we know that's not true. What we do with our bodies can affect our souls. Friends, what you eat can affect your mood. What you drink can affect your mood. Now, the biology of your body can change in such a way that it can influence 
the way you feel and you feel within your soul. But these three main views is that we're just a brain, we're just a machine, or the second is that we're both body and soul. This is the view of the Bible. And then the third, which is not so much today, which is we are body and soul, but only the soul is important. I don't want you to hear me say that because we're talking a lot about the soul and the soul is of utmost importance, but the body still matters. These are the three views that we need to talk about first in laying the foundation. Secondly is this, as you think about Genesis chapter 2 and verse number 7, looking at it again, it says, then the Lord God formed the man of the dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living, living creature or a living soul. Scripture teaches that we are a body which is animated by the soul. Traditional Christian understanding is this, is that once the soul departs from a body, the body is dead. Whether there may be clinical signs of life here or there, or slight movements, once the soul departs from the body, and God alone knows when that happens, but Christian teaching is this, once the soul departs, then that body is now lifeless. It is the Christian view that it is your soul, not your brain, but your soul which animates your body and moves your body. I've got an illustration this morning. So I'm going to help get some help with a friend. Hey, pull your dress down, girl. Come on. All right. So, she and I met this week. Um, she's uh, helped me with uh, my uh, sermon. And she has a name. Um, her name's Sally. Hey. I've asked Sally what she's been doing Lately, she told me she's been in the church closet since when? 93? Wow, that's a long time. <laughs> Hence the whole uh, new kids on the block look, I see. Yeah. Wow. So who are you? Oh, well, um, I'm the pastor here. <laughs> no, really? <laughs> no, I really am the pastor here. So um, here's what I want to get at. Does Sally have life in her right now? No. Now, if she was alive, she could maybe shake your hand, right? All right. Well, now let's try it again. Let's see if Sally can shake your hand now. You let her fall. <laughs> Poor Sally. Well, what happened? Why didn't she shake your hand back? She's not alive. Well, why did she shake your hand a moment ago? Because she's a puppet and I was moving her hand. Because there's a part of me inside of her and I'm making her move and she can talk and do whatever. And I'm not a ventriloquist. I tried earlier this week. I was like, you know what, I'll practice a little bit. It didn't work. 
it didn't work. And my, but my wife thought it was very funny. But, um, and then she said, don't do that. <laughs> uh, but anyway, when we see a puppet, we know puppets aren't alive. I mean, they may look alive, they may look at us, they may talk to us. But there is something inside of this puppet that is making this puppet move, breathe, and live. And that is the hand puppet, which is right here, which happens to be me. And my hand is an extension of me. So I want you to think of it in this way when it comes to the soul. All spiritual life is from God. It's all from God. And when God created man and woman, he breathed his spirit into them. So that what animates our bodies is our souls. And that part of us is the part of us that bears witness with God's spirit. For instance, if you've been in church, you've heard a word before called conviction. Now, what is conviction? Well, conviction is something we feel, but we don't feel it like we feel this. It's something we feel internally when our soul is moved by what we hear about who God is or how we experience what God is doing. It gives evidence that there's something more to us, the puppet, that there's something inside of us. God made a body for the first human. And God animated the body of the first human with a soul. And when the soul departs from the body, life departs. These three things, they go together. God made a body for the first human. He animated the body of the first human with a soul. God breathed into man the breath of life and man became a living soul. And when the soul departs from the body, life departs. Jot this scripture down. Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse number 7. And the dust, speaking of death, returns to the earth as it was. And the spirit returns to God who gave it. That when we die, the body returns to where it's from, the earth. And the soul returns to where it's from, to God. So it leads me to this final thing. The soul is the part of you that is of the very Spirit of God. The soul is the part of you that is of the very Spirit of God. So it's too simplistic to say, well, you can't see the soul. Um, how do you know it's there? Well, the soul is immaterial. It's not something that can be seen. It's something that's felt. It's something that is experienced. Your soul is invisible, but you know that it's there. But also, well, actually, before we do this, I'm going to do one last little exercise. I've just told you the truth about the soul. I've told you the truth about you is that you have 
a soul. That there's more to you than your body. And you have apparently received the truth. So I'm going to assume that you're ready for the truth. All right, say it out loud with me. I want you to say, I'm ready for the truth. All right, ready? One, two, three. I'm ready for the truth, okay? You've just received the truth that there's more to you than a body. You do have a soul. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to say, I'm ready for the truth two times louder than you just did. All right, ready? Here we go. Ready? I'm ready for the truth. Okay, great. Very good. Third time. I want you to scream, I'm ready for the truth at the very top of your lungs in your mind. <laughs> Not out loud. It's church, right? We're Baptist. As loud as you can, in your mind, in your spirit, I mean blood-curdling, toe-curling, knuckle squeezing scream i am ready for the truth i'm not even going to do it all right out loud because i don't want to scare everybody all right ready one two three <laughs> now let me ask you something even though no sound came out of your mouth did you hear it not with your ears was it loud? When you scream in your mind, can you hear it? Of course you can. Why? Because that part of you is real. There is something inside of you that is just as real as the something that we see on the outside. And that's your soul. It's immaterial. You can hear it. Whose voice do you hear inside your head when you read? Well, you might hear, you know, your voice. You might hear James Earl Jones or something like that. You might hear your mom's voice. I, I can pick up storybooks that my mom and my grandmom read me as a child. And when I read them, I can in my mind hear their voice. How can I do that? How can you do that? How are you able to scream at the top of your lungs and hear it and yet not make a sound? Because there is a person inside of your person. You are not just a body. You are a soul. Which leads me to the final thing. Is that the soul is not just immaterial, even though we can't see it or touch it, we can experience it. The soul is immortal. The soul never dies. That means when you die and the lights go out, they don't go out. Your body goes to sleep, as the New Testament says, but your soul is very awake. There's no going away. It is just, the New Testament view is moving through the veil. It is moving from looking through a glass darkly to seeing clearly on the other side. The Bible teaches your soul is immortal. Listen to Matthew 16, 26. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world 
and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? Why? The soul never dies. I want you to think if you become the pinnacle of whatever success looks like to you, if you become the pinnacle of success in this life, get the network you want, get the resources and the wealth that you want, find the life that you want, all of that stuff, you've still only got a few years with it. And then it's gone. You can gain everything in the world, but this body and everything that we have is dying. But your soul lives forever. Everyone, and we'll talk about this in part three. I want you to think, I want you to think about this. Take a look around the room. I mean, don't stare at anybody too long. Don't get weird. Every person you see is going to live forever. Now, the Bible teaches our experience won't all be the same. But we will all be here forever. This is scratching the surface of what it means to think about the soul. So today, what is a soul? It's your inner person. And you and I have one. You can't touch it, but you can feel it. And that part of you lives forever. And so the reason we come here week after week and we talk about Jesus, we talk about God and spiritual life, all this, it's because not only it's true, it's because you and I have a soul. And then it matters. That Sunday morning is just more than a club. It's more than a gathering of people who like to do this thing called church. It is the cultivation of things, souls, that are going to live forever. I want you to think about that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for Jesus. Lord, some of us are so busy chasing the things of the body that we don't even slow down to even think about the soul. And Lord, the soul is the part of us that lives forever. If we were to die tonight, the soul would still be here in the morning. Lord, I pray that we would not be like the person that Jesus described. One that sought to gain the entire world and ignored his own soul. 
Lord, if there's anyone here in this room that does not know you in a personal way, that has not given their life to you, asking you to save them and their souls from sin and to save them into new life when we die. Lord, I pray today they would do that. The soul is real and it is forever. Lord, if that's anyone here today, I pray they would have the courage to respond and tell one of our pastors today, I heard the truth this morning and I need to give my life to Jesus. Lord, for others who are here that you may be leading to be a part of First Baptist Tupelo, Lord, I pray you'd move upon their hearts and souls at this time to join this family of faith. Lord, I pray as we move into this time of response that, Lord, we would allow you to have your way with our souls. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen.